Well, good morning. I want to try that one more time. Good morning. Is this a good spot? Awesome. Hey, uh, I am so glad to be together this morning for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, just to see you. I am, I am so excited when we come together on Sunday. I missed you last Sunday. Uh, when we went online, but it's so good uh, to be together like this again. And, and for those who are watching online, uh, so glad that you can be with us as well. We are in week two of a series that we are calling A Gentle Answer. Anybody feel like in life that you're still in week two of that series? Anybody feel that way? I know personally I feel like I'm still just in week one or two of A Gentle Answer. And I think that God has a, a personal and powerful word to speak to all of us today. So I hope that we will open our hearts as we uh, go to God's word. Uh, before we do though, uh, this morning I wanna ask if you can identify with the following proclamation, and it is this. God is a grace giver, and that makes me angry sometimes. And when I am the most angry, God gives me grace. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you most of all for the gift of your grace and your presence here with us. Lord, we believe that when we turn to you and turn to your word and your example, uh, something happens inside of us. We pray for that to happen today. Lord, we ask that you would speak through your Holy Spirit. God, we give you access to all of us. So, Lord, that you can shine a light into every area. Lord, help us to grow as we walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are familiar with the comedian George Carlin? Any fans? Uh, I want to start this morning with this. Uh, I listened to and actually watched this segment when George Carlin spoke about road rage, and he offered some reflections on that. Um, George Carlin said, anybody, and see if you can identify with this, anybody driving slower than you is an idiot. <laughs> Those who take in the scenery, look both ways, stop at yellow lights, it's like, just look at this idiot. And then anybody driving faster than you is a maniac. Can you believe that person who just zoomed by, right? And I love where he takes it next. He says, which of course means that we too are the idiots and the maniacs to everyone else on the road. That one, I was just like, you know, it's funny because it kind of hits close to home. So, <laughs> but this morning, I wanna, I wanna pretend for a moment, if I were able to sit down with you and we were to talk one-on-one -on -one, and I were to ask you the question, could you tell me one thing that made you angry this week? Could you tell me one person, one circumstance? No, do not type it in the chat, and no, do not turn to your neighbor right now. This is a one-on-one -on -one thing. What made you angry or all out of sorts this week? I'm gonna step over this way. And that's one of the easiest questions to answer, isn't it? It's like we have an answer right away. There's a lot of things that we can be angry about today, right? But what if I were to ask us to dig a little bit deeper and then say, when you are the most angry, so think about those times when you're the most angry, hopefully it's not right now, but when you are the most angry, what are you the most afraid of? If we were to take it a step further, when you are the most afraid, what are you believing in that moment? Not all the time, but in that moment, what are you believing to be true about yourself or about God? Recently, I was angry at God. Have you been there? And so angry that I was unfiltered. Have you had one of those moments with God? Where you're angry, you're disappointed, and 
like me, within the last year, there was a moment where I, I was praying. I said, God, I believe that you're good, but I'm just so angry at you right now, so disappointed, and I miss you. And what followed in that conversation was not something that you would typically hear in a praise and worship setting. It was unfiltered thoughts toward God. I wonder if anybody else has ever been there, because as I dug a little bit deeper, I realized that what I was afraid of was that God was done with me too, because God felt like he was absent, and it felt like the best days were behind me. That's what I was afraid of. And then I was believing the lie, if I were to dig deeper, that we fight our whole lives, or at least many of us do, the lie that you're not good enough and you never will be. So just a vulnerable moment to share with you as we begin today that in this season, my hope is that we're all learning something about our own hearts. And I wonder what you're learning about your heart in this season. For me, one of the things I'm learning about my own heart is that it's okay to acknowledge pain and name it in the presence of God. It's okay to acknowledge anger and to name it in the presence of God. And somehow, by grace, this happens over time, by the way, take responsibility for what I feel and especially for what I do next. So how can we extend grace? Because that's what we're talking about this morning. How can we extend grace to ourselves, let alone the people around us, when we are so angry? Have you ever been there? Where you feel like you only have two choices? Uh, my choice is in this moment, because I'm feeling really angry, I can either blow up or I can shut up. Does it ever feel like that? That those are my only options, either silence or violence? either bottle it or throttle them, right? So sometimes it feels like those are my only choices, but what if there was another way? What is, and we're gonna look again to the example of Jesus, what is the way of Jesus? And if you have your Bibles with you, um, uh, whether you've got the physical Bible or the chargeable one, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter two is where our text is gonna be this morning. We're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter two, beginning in verse 20. And then reading. So this is a letter that the Apostle Peter was writing to the Roman world. This was a circular letter that was going around the churches at the time. And Peter was writing to the churches that were undergoing persecution. He was reminding them of who they were. And also, he was giving them a reference for their suffering that they were enduring. But then he was pointing them to a future hope. So that's the setting of this letter. But if you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 20, this is what it says. And I'll be reading from the NIV. He says, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now, when I read about the life of Jesus, Jesus speaks and it's powerful, isn't it? But you know what's even more powerful? When Jesus acts. The things that Jesus does show us what true power looks like. And so I'll say it again. 
that proclamation that God is a grace giver and that makes me angry sometimes. Anybody with me there? God is a grace giver and that makes me angry. This passage actually challenges me a lot, but the truth is, if I never want to be challenged, don't read about Jesus and never lock eyes with him because we will be challenged to grow. But I wanna take a step back and talk about, since we're talking about grace, we need to talk a little bit about anger this morning. In a time when it seems at least, and this is just speaking for myself, it feels like there are so many who are drawing lines in the sand right now. In fact, Jesus drew in the, the sand once too. And if you wanna read that story in John chapter eight, I hope you will this week, Anytime that you or I feel like throwing rocks at someone or something to cause them well-deserved destruction and punishment, I just want to say the Bible is very relevant today. But I want to take a step back and think about anger. How you doing? All right. Is anger a bad thing? Is anger the emotion a bad thing? The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. So who gave us our emotions? Well, God gave us our emotions, right? So when I feel happy, when I feel sad, when I feel disappointed, when I feel excited, when I feel loving, when I feel like dad jokes, when I feel like um, getting angry. God gave us all of our emotions, right? So getting angry is not the problem, but in the short time that we have, I'm going to tackle this really, really difficult question. How can God be both loving and angry at the same time? Or another way to say it, how can God be loving and wrathful? And I reach out to uh, a person by the name of uh, James Bryan Smith, who's the author of Good and Beautiful God. He offers us a very helpful distinction. Um, when he talks about the difference between the essence of God, which is who God is, and the action of God, which is what God does. This is what he says. He said, God is fiercely and forcefully opposed to the things that destroy his precious people. God's wrath must be understood in relation to love. Wrath is not a permanent attribute of God. Whereas love and holiness are part of his essential nature, wrath is a necessary reaction of a loving God to evil. If there were no sin, there would be no wrath. And I really like that example because the author of our book that we've been going through that's been helping us, A Gentle Answer, Scott Sauls, he goes on to say, Anger actually reveals what we love the most. Don't you agree with that? When we get the most angry, it's actually revealing what we love the most. And Rebecca Pipper will uh, add to that. She says, true love detests whatever injures or destroys those we love. And I think we can all identify with that. In fact, Romans 12:9 says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. But who gets to define both of those for us? What is evil? what is good because I think a case can be made for good or righteous anger I wouldn't argue with anyone that says that we need to be righteously angry at times to seek to make things right but I don't know about you it's really hard for me to lose my cool without also losing my character in the process it's extremely hard because if we think about it the real target is not the person or the situation that I'm angry about the real target is my character one of the best illustrations that I read this week about anger is that it can be compared to fire. Now, fire can be a good thing, right? And fire can be a destructive thing. I thought that was a really helpful thing to see, is that like a fire, my anger and yours can either be life-giving or life-taking. Scott Sauls writes, fire can protect and warm, 
In fact, we're thankful when it kills the destructive bacteria living in our food, right? So fire can be a good thing. But if we don't keep fire, if we don't keep fire inside of boundaries, it has the potential to destroy an entire house or a forest or a human life. So if we're going to get really honest this morning, uh, there are some life-taking expressions of anger that I think we need to talk about. First one, and this is not to pick, by the way. This is just saying that there are some life-taking examples. One is gossip, something that seems harmless and often justified. But if we really think about what gossip does, it's just like pornography. I'm objectifying another person who God loves very much at their expense with no commitment from me. That's gossip. The fire of gossip only burns and destroys. Scholar and professor Jay Schuyler writes, slander is even worse. To slander is to throw acid onto the face of another's reputation. So I have a question. This is for myself included. This is why it feels like I'm only in week two of gentle answer, by the way. How is anger serving us these days? Or are we serving our anger? Is my anger life-giving or life-taking? And the good news, and I want us to really hang on to this this morning, here's the great news, is that when I am the most angry, God gives me grace. First Peter chapter 2, if you look at verse 21 again from our passage this morning, it says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So what is God saying to us? What is God saying to his church in this day and time? How do we extend grace when sometimes we just feel so angry? How do we move beyond reaction to taking responsibility? I want to propose to you some very practical, because I want to get very practical this morning. And if you like to take notes, this is just something that I really feel will be helpful for all of us. Number one, we need to recognize and reframe weakness. We have to recognize and reframe what weakness really is. Second, we need to refuse to resent or retaliate. With God's help, refuse to resent or retaliate. And last, and this is I think most important, with God's help, respond to toxic anger with grace. So let's unpack this a little bit. Recognize, first of all, I can't do this by myself. If you're like me, if the right triggers are in place, I can go from zero to 60 very quickly as far as getting angry, right? And so there's times in life where I feel like I want to take back what was taken from me, and I wonder if you've ever felt that way too. I wonder how Jesus felt when he got angry. But was Jesus ever weak? Now, I think the argue, argument can be made that Jesus chose weakness, right? That he was fully God. But did Jesus ever get angry? How many of you like the story in John chapter 2 when Jesus walks into the temple? Anybody know what Jesus does? He starts flipping tables. So we love those stories, right? All right, Jesus, go get them. Flip those tables, and he gets angry. But then we tell the story that our faith is centered around when Jesus goes to the cross because that's what reveals what Jesus loved the most. And I think in both of these stories, and I'm just going to stick with the example of Jesus because I know there's a lot of stories when God gets angry, but let's look at Jesus. In both cases, God was angry at something, flipping tables, going to the cross. But like a good physician, he didn't come to treat our symptoms. God's righteous anger was poured out to take care of the real sickness, the real enemy. And what the world saw as weakness, we say the wisdom and power of God. 
I want to take a step back here and just for a moment recognize Jesus knows and Jesus remembers and he realizes how humans can make decisions that hurt us. Jesus knows. He knows exactly what that feels like. He also knows how the broken become the breakers sometimes. He also knows that life can hand us loss. But I want to make one thing really clear this morning is this. Jesus was never playing defense. Jesus was never weak. And here's how we reframe. God's strength is not in the nice, fluffy Jesus that sometimes we think about and we see on shows, right? His strength was not just letting people roll over him in the time that he was persecuted. Jesus knew the bigger picture. He knew that violence and rebellion can always steal, kill, and destroy, just like that fire. But he also knew how sacrificial love can give life again. I really like Tim Mackey's definition of love when he says, love is devoting oneself to the well-being of another, no matter the response or the cost. Love, devoting oneself to the well-being of another, no matter the response or cost. That's not weakness, my friends, that's power. And it's so much harder. So we're looking at the example of Jesus, and I know it's kind of a big stretch to say, okay, we're not being persecuted, we're not about ready to give our lives on the cross, that sort of thing. But Jesus giving an extreme example, could we take a step back and say, in the small things that make us the most angry? What if the things that bother me just a little bit, think about your pet peeves, how you respond to criticism, what you think about preaching a message about anger, uh, what are those things that bother you just a little bit that God could use to grow us up the most? God is a grace giver, and that makes me angry sometimes, if I'm totally honest. But we need to recognize and reframe weakness. All right, I'm going to move on. Um, second, refuse to resent or retaliate. Back to our scripture. It says in verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I know Jesus was perfect, and I know that we're not. But what a great example for us, because so often my measure for seeking justice, I realize is so much different than Jesus. Because the truth is, when I get angry, I want to retaliate. I want to resent. I want to get those who hurt me or those I love, and I feel it inside of my body, don't you? It's like a physical reaction. I don't know about you, but when I get really angry, my, my fists get tight, my head gets hard, my ears get warm, there's a pit in my stomach, and God has hardwired us to scream against injustice. In fact, it's in our bodies, right? It's there for a reason. But I wonder if there's a better standard for our response to that. Even in the midst of deep hurt, or deep betrayal, or deep injustice, I wonder if God is saying to all of us as his church today, you have called me Father your whole life. Will you also let me be your defender? Will you also let me be your healer? Practically, that looks like instead of directing my anger at people and then asking God to help me clean up the mess afterward, Instead, I can direct and vent my anger to God first and foremost, and then ask for his help before I respond. And that's so much better. Scott Sauls writes that God gave us emotions as a voice and event. Are you thankful for that? 
God gave us our emotions so that we can have a voice, so that we can vent. Sharing our pain to God is one of the most reverent things you can do. I don't know if you've thought about that, but sharing our pain before God is reverence. It's a reminder that he's there, that he cares, that he is the one who can take action. And only those who know that God will set everything right. Let me say that again. He will set everything right. Those who know that God will set everything right can forgive as God forgave them. So with God's help, I can refuse to resent or retaliate. And lastly, I'm going to wrap up here. We can, with God's help, respond to toxic anger with grace. Jesus spoke the words, Father, forgive them, from a cross. And Jesus spoke those words, Father, forgive them, not when we were compassionate or gentle or kind people. He spoke them when we were denying, insulting, ignoring, abusing, and crucifying. So my friends, grace is a very different thing than toxic anger. Toxic anger is something that we hold on to, and over time, it takes life away. But grace is something that we give away, and over time, with God's help, it gives life back again. I am so glad that grace looks like God's anger poured out on Jesus so that I could go free. And I go free when I release my anger to God first, and also at the same time, release my hold on your neck right? God, I'm releasing my anger to you, and I'm also releasing this person. I trust you. The good news is, is that when I'm the most angry, God gives me grace. Now, what I'm not saying is this, and I want to be very clear. This does not mean that I accept, agree, or condone injustice. That's not what we're saying here. Instead, I'm talking about our response. I'm entrusting myself to the one true judge. Grace is a gift. It's something that we give away. In fact, when I was 15 years old, I gave God, I gave Jesus my life. I said, Jesus, I give to you my future, my plans, my hopes, my dreams, my hurts, my disappointments, all because of everything by grace that you gave to me. Grace is a gift, and it helps me to say, God, I give it to you again and again and again. God is a grace giver. And that makes me angry sometimes. And when I'm the most angry, God gives me grace. I don't know about you, but when I said that phrase a few times this week, I thought of Wreck-It Ralph when he says, I'm a bad guy, and that's good. I'll never be good, and that's not so bad. But we're talking about much more than Wreck-It Ralph because God knows, God knows, there he is, that's the first amen. Uh, God knows that we need help in our anger, right? God knows that we need grace. And I remember I shared with you early this year that I was telling God unfiltered what I really thought about him. And it felt like in that moment that I had been sitting, and this is the image that I shared um, with a counselor. I, I said, I feel like I'm sitting in a dark pit with a climbing harness around me, but there's no handholds or way out. And that's what it feels like, that I'm just sitting here in the dark and then with time, I realize that Jesus has been sitting there as well. And with time, remember, he doesn't rush us out of these places. He sits with us. But with time, he says, I need you to get up. And I've never heard the audible voice of God, but this might have been one of the closest moments. I need you to get up and stand on my shoulders and start climbing. 
and God's response to my greatest anger towards him was get up on my shoulders and start moving. How do we extend undeserved grace to ourselves, let alone the people around us, when we are so angry? I wonder if it's kind of like standing on Jesus' shoulders and remembering that because he went down and was raised back up again, that with God's help, I can be too. That we can acknowledge pain and anger with honesty before God and know that that is okay, knowing that he cares for us, he cares for it, he loves us deeply, but at the same time with this help to take responsibility for what I'm feeling and then my reaction, my response out of that. God will help us, by the way, every step of the way. So this is my prayer for all of us, church family, is that his grace would take us from a heart and mind that draws lines in the sand, you're not alone, to hearts and minds that long to participate in his love for the world and the people we see every day. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you so much for the gift of grace. And I thank you, Lord, for reminding us of just how truly good that is. Help us as your people when we are most angry to seek truth from you alone. And God, by grace, to become participants in the divine nature, to be those who extend grace to others. Lord, I pray for each of my friends and church family here and for myself today that our prayer each and every day this week and in the weeks to come would be, Jesus, live your life inside of me. Make me a grace giver just like you.